1: Welcome to a collector's edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. It's not often that I have a dragon's victory to look back upon. And uh yeah, we've got those rarest of things to uh to to keep me in a good mood after uh, after a bank holiday weekend. And uh joining me to look back on it is big favourite with the listeners, uh backed by popular demand, uh top journalist, good friend of the show, Stefan Thomas. How are you, Steph? Yeah, very
0: well, thank you, and um, thanks for the invite to come back on the show. always always enjoy being invited on and uh, looking forward to uh to answering some of those tough questions your listeners have been kind enough to throw my way
1: this is it they come out in force when they know when you're on Steph because they know you're the man to, to tackle the big issues and we've got a brilliant uh mixture of on on the field and off the field stuff to get stuck into where do you where do you want to start do you want to start with um some of the on the field stuff may as well all right i know let's.
0: you're desperate to uh, <laughs> talk about a certain win this weekend so uh doesn't happen often so should we uh you know
1: this is go it into the
0: dragons victory
1: yeah let's get into it i mean um i know uh unfortunately we've got you for a limited amount of time tonight which is probably for the best because otherwise it would just be me drowning on and on and on for for 90 minutes or so um so yeah we'll uh we'll, we'll get straight on to that obviously i'm pretty pleased with that but um yeah you'll have you'll know that we were, were you covering the game stuff uh yeah yeah it was um
0: yeah, I, th- I think I think you know it was a, it was a well deserved win. I, th- I think you know it's you know we we spoke last time on the pod on the pod. It's been it's been a very um, very disappointing season for the Dragons. To you know probably been a bit diplomatic there. Uh, you know they'd only had one win up to this weekend and the draw, which isn't good enough. Albeit you know on a, on a lesser playing budget. So you know, but I thought they were a lot better against Gloucester last week, albeit they lost. Uh, and this was, you know, another step in the right direction. Um, I thought they were the better team. I thought their um, their pack was was excellent. Um, Will Rowlands was my man of the match. Mm. You know, yeah, same here actually. Game. Yeah, Dixon played really well, but for me, you know, Rowlands Rowlands has just been a revelation. I think if there was a Lions tour this summer, I think he'd be going as one of the locks. I yeah. think he's been that good. Um, I thought he was the best I've seen Ben Carter play for a long time as well. Um, you know, Wayne Wright was very good. Um, Harrison Keady you know one of the most underrated players in Welsh rugby in my opinion um, very good player you know uh, Barsham was good so th- it was it was up front they won it it was just uh, an excellent excellent pack performance and um, you know the Scarlers got themselves into a position to win um, and and you know they, they didn't take it really and um, there were a couple of um, questionable refereeing decisions which I'm sure we get on to but mm. I think uh, I think the better side won and um, I think it was mainly down to the Dragons pack. You know, The Scarlet's lost Sam Lousey um, in the warm-up, who's, in my opinion, um, the best lock in Welsh rugby. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm including uh, Welsh players there. But, you know, Rowlands was just, um, was absolutely outstanding. And um, for me, he was the best player on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you on that. Absolutely right. It was a pack performance that that won it. And I think that very similar, actually, to the week before that, you know, if the pack turns up, you, you're going to be. It's, it's the biggest of rugby cliches, isn't it? That the games are um, the games are won and lost up front, and for far too many performances this season, the Dragons pack have not been competitive, and um, the backs have been feeding off scraps and, and haven't done enough with those scraps either. So it was definitely one of those games where the, the bigger name players in that in that pack really really showed up, and it looked like a, a really good cohesive unit. Um, I gave away a couple of penalties, but I thought Aki Sayuli did a uh, did a really good job. And um, you know, again, regardless of how it was refereed, he slowed down a lot of those driving malls by by getting in some uh, some very annoying uh, annoying positions for the, for the scarlets. So um, it's a it's a good win for the dragons. Like we said, you know, they've you've got to kind of turn on this and, and build it in, into something now. And you know, I'm not saying they're necessarily going to back it up with another win next week, but. You just want to see that same level of intensity and that same level of performance because that then just gives um, gives a reason for the supporters to get a bit more excited about uh, about next season. And you know, as we as we said a, a fortnight ago, some some new players coming in as well. But yeah, let's get on to some of those some of those refereeing decisions because you know I think regardless of which side of the fence you sit on, there were some some really odd decisions uh, kind of throughout that game. Which ones caught the eye most for you? But well, to begin with, I think
0: all four yellow card decisions were correct. I thought White well, just got those right. I know a lot of Scarlet fans aren't happy, especially with a Steph Evans one. But I personally thought that was pretty yeah. cynical yeah. from Evans. Um, he made a really good cover tackle. You know, the the, the Scarlets defence, you know, he was scrambling back. There was numbers outside, and he obviously I don't blame him. And he he killed the ball illegally. You know, in the red zone. Only one only one result there, and it's a yellow card. So. I agree with Ben White, I thought he got that one right. Um, you know, there's a bit of a split opinion over the Jonathan Davis yellow card. Some Scarlet fans thought it wasn't even a penalty. Um, you know, others thought it should have been a red. I I personally think Blair to the Law was correct call. Um, you know, the initial contact was with the shoulder, um, and then it drove up. Um obviously the ref under the framework referee start that red card, then mitigation he'd bring it down. So I think the mitigation was the initial contact was below the head, but it he was you know with intent, and he was driving forward. So I think it was closer to a red card than than a, just a penalty or, or nothing. But I think probably got got that one right on on the hole. And the, you know the Corey Baldwin one again couldn't argue with that. Yeah. But in terms of the decisions, I thought he got wrong. I thought, I thought he got a couple of shockers. Um, I mean the, the the worst one I thought was the second half try, Jared rosser Rossa. That's a good tackle by Costello. Um, a very good tackle and a guy I wouldn't on say it was places. a good
1: tackle it was a, it was just about effective but it was a tackle yeah, and therefore well, it was complete it brought, yeah.
0: brought down a guy yeah. who was significantly bigger than him down um, and as far as I'm concerned he's you know it's a completed tackle and Dixon hasn't released the ball um, and also I watched the game back on S4C and Gwyn Jones made a good point that the, the, the directive say that the players need to roll away straight away which is what Kostler did mm. um, by the law of the law and I don't understand how the TMO can look at that and and what and advise Whitehouse to give a try. It, it, it wasn't a try; it should have been a. Well, it was a try, but it should have been a penalty to the scarless. And I think that the first Dixon try, um, I think the question was key. Any reason I can't award the try? Personally, I thought it was a knock-on, mm. but you know I think that's probably a, a dod, more of a dodgy one. You know, fifty-fifty could have gone either way. I thought it wasn't a try, but I think the Jared Rosso one. I think that was a pretty shocking decision but um, you know you, you look at it and you know the, the Scarless didn't help themselves um, for the first Dixon try Thomas Lazana missed a, a pretty you know back rower pretty poor tackle at Dixon couldn't yeah. have got that far really um, and um, you know where was the Scarless defence um, you know after Costello had sort of made the tackle so you know I think if you're the scarlet's coaches you know the the ref performance of the referee is sort of out of your hands you've got to look at yourselves and um, they could have done things a lot better and you know they looked like they were gonna gonna win the game um at some, you know they came back they had momentum maybe got a bit overconfident turned down a few shots a goal they should have taken obviously injuries didn't help them as well but you know yes I, I thought white was just was poor but on the whole um I think that the better team won and you know i think uh, the dragon's pack um you know was was the difference and yeah uh, you know well done to the dragons
1: yeah i no, i agree with you on on most of those points the the one i want to drill day and and most of the decisions the the john fox tackle one is the one that i think i completely get what you're saying that the kind of it, it, in recent weeks or recent months that mitigation um i think has become a lot less stringent than it was perhaps 12 months ago where mitigation was you know a player had slipped and, and gone down very very low and I think you're seeing a lot more of those where the, where the initial point of contact is for me I, I think that these are the ones where I would like to see that a lot more hard line I would like to see it I'd like to see those given as a red not to ruin the game not because I support the Dragons but I just think that these are the ones where he's, he's done everything def- defensively John John Davis is one of the best defensive centres in the world still right? regardless of whether he's lost a bit of pace or not, he knows how to defend and that's the way he's always been coached to defend that's what made him so good, is that intensity that line speed, that ability to read the game and to, to be able to go out and smash the opposition um, but the problem is now is that we, we're trying to get to a position whereby defensive habits are changing and I feel like now it's just got to a position where it's, almost, it's worth taking the gamble as a defensive player, to go up and try and make that hit, uh, knowing that it might end in a in a yellow card. Whereas if more of those were, were given as a red, coaching habits and uh, and playing habits have to change. So that's the one where, regardless of you know, I I completely get what you're saying, and I think it you're right to the letter of the law. It probably was just about a yellow with it with a bit of mitigation. But I just think that's where I'd like to see that that line kind of um, redrawn a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the reason I said yeah, is because, again, as I said, by the letter of the law, mm. that was correct. Um, however, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, th- I think it, you know, rugby itself is just stuck in, um, you know, in 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 this sort of. And, and I, to be honest, like one, I think it was progressive rugby I've asked the question. I, I was this, going to come onto that. Absolutely, may as well yeah. answer this now. Um, can't remember what the exact question was I'll
1: just read out just for yeah just for the benefit of, uh, yeah. of the listeners are you sensing a shift in the attitude of fans around unlawful tackles by their own players purely anecdotally it appears what started as an irritation um, appears to be manifesting itself, itself as a frustration of their own players for getting cards which is a really interesting an interesting way of putting it and love to get your thoughts Steph
0: yeah I mean obviously I haven't done the survey and I can't get everyone's <laughs> thoughts but um, I, it, from what I see on my social media accounts um, and you know obviously as a rugby journalist a lot of people obviously tweet me um, I still think there's a lot of work to be done, a lot of educating to be done over um, over just why they're bringing in um, in this law um, I remember um, last summer I did an interview with Tristan and the Cardiff Rugby Strength and Conditioning Coach very um highly rated by players and, and 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 people within the game and i I did a piece and you know we spoke a bit about concussion and how you know the you know it, it's just a car crash how big the players are in terms of their conditioning and whatnot and obviously I posted my my piece on various like facebook um forums and twitter etc and some of the obviously you get a lot of sense for people who understand why they've got these laws and why it needs to be read and what not. But the amount of, there were far more people who were saying, ah, oh, you know, he's trying to change the game, what does he know, you know, the game's gone soft and that dyness, that sort of dinosaur attitude is too prevalent in the game um, and, and, and I think a lot of um, ex-players, a lot of pundits have got to take responsibility for that mm-hmm. as well you know, it does annoy me when I, I, I watch games on TV and it's almost as if uh, the pundits don't even understand the laws of the game fully, um, when it comes to the tackle area, when it comes to high tackles and and that sort of thing, um the reason we've got it is to not just safeguard the health and safety of players, which should be the number one priority for anything but to safeguard the future of rugby union because you know you, you there's going to be a you know it it rugby is going down a very slippery slope i mean there's there's evidently a case being built against against the sport you know similar to American football with um you know, you know, with the head injuries and whatnot. No, I'm not a lawyer, but I would imagine that's going to cost him a lot of money, um, to, to some extent at least. Um, and you know, you've got the whole thing where more and more people have come forward with concussions. You know, you've got the likes of Alex Popham who's suffered terribly, Steve Thompson can't even remember, you know, winning the world cup, which I imagine would be on a par with you know, top five moments in his life. I imagine, if not higher, you know. I remember reading about Sean Tane the former England um, centre ex New Zealand Rugby League, you know, how he was like going to a um, uh, cash point and just sw- he was swallowing his card because he was just forgetting the pin uh, because of concussions. And I remember Rob Evans the Scarlet's Prop saying years ago when he added that he was spewing blood and then his dad was just doing the, um, uh, the lawnmower outside and then he, he was just violently ill because of that noise. And that's how so serious. This is. It's not like breaking a bone or anything. This this can change your life. It can even kill you. Um, So that's the number one thing. Um, And that's why it really annoys me when people say the game's gone or Oh, you know, just because this player got uh, sent off early in the game has ruined my afternoon, this and that. Well, we're trying to save lives here. Uh, And we're also trying to save the integrity of the game. Because as I said, you know, if, if, um, you know, the the game is saved, you know, it it would be a real, uh, real blow to the game. And then the biggest threat to the game as well is parents saying, "I don't want my child playing rugby because more and more people have come forward with brain issues and whatnot." And at the at the lower level, obviously, it's not going to be as thorough in the medicine, mm. and, uh, the, sorry, the medical help as as the pro level. So you know, it, it's hundred percent right that you know they should be doing absolutely. they should be as strict as possible in sending people off when they make head contact with other players. Um, you know, but rugby union is stuck, in my opinion between trying to do the right thing and trying to appease people who think the game's gone soft and, mm. and, and, and to keep the game entertaining. This orange card thing is bullshit. Yeah, with yeah, my with um, Absolute rubbish. Um, it really, really angers me when I see people, um, especially in the Southern Hemisphere, a lot of ex-Kiwis. Mm. John and is one that's always going on about it. It really angers me. I, th- I think people are have a duty of care to people that they shouldn't be you know, okay. So what if somebody got sent off after 20 minutes, and and, and that costs side of the game? You know, I'm more concerned about the health and safety of the player that that's just been smashed in the head by a player like twice his size. You know, and and people don't, people are still struggling to grasp how serious this issue is, and the fact that you've got a lot of pundits saying that, um, you know, supporting the sort of diagnosis argument, is just really damaging. Um, I realise this is a bit of a rant but if he's strongly about it and I, to answer that question I think there's a lot of education mm. still to do and uh, I agree with you you know as I said left of the law correct decision for a yellow card but I think it, it you know, rightly probably should be a red card and they should get stricter on it I said,
1: yeah I think you're spot on and, and I, like I say I feel like 12-18 months ago that would have been a red card but it, it's just you know the, you're right caught between caught between two positions of, uh, of protecting the players and and Trying to appease various various different parties because again I think there's probably been pressure pressure from whether it's coaches or CEOs but there'll be pressure coming from clubs um, and and governing bodies because of because of this but this is definitely the one area that I think the the sport has to really um, stay completely hard line on for all those reasons that uh, that you've uh, that you've just mentioned and just very quickly to finish on the um, on the role of, of pundits I found it a bit strange. Um, I, again it, yeah it's it's difficult when it's it's kind of during commentary but um i, I think I can't remember who doing that. it was maybe Reece Lack william doing the the commentary on on premier sports on on Saturday and kind of kept saying things like you know the big hits we love to see and stuff like that, and of course big hits are a part of rugby, but when you're looking at something like that that's um You know, there's there's clearly a dangerous tackle, and has been given that whether it's red or yellow. Again, I just think sometimes that rhetoric, and again, it's difficult in that you know, as a comment, I I couldn't be a commentator, but but doing it in the the heat of the moment. But again, I just think sometimes lines like that just um, just help to kind of normalise the the difference between a big hit and and a you know what could be a what could be a brain trauma. So yeah, I I do think it's an important point.
0: One point I'd like to make. Do you, do you remember going back to the 2011 World Cup? Of course, you remember, your Welsh, you know, Sam Warburton, red card. And I remember watching it. I, I pretty, you know, I was, you know, I've always been, I like to think I've been well informed on in the game and hmm. have a good understanding of it. But looking back, I was really ill informed. I remember tweeting, I didn't, actually, I don't think I had tweeted that. I remember putting on Facebook that, um, oh, you know, it's a disgraceful decision, this and that. No. I, I'll admit, Alan Roland got that decision absolutely spot on. Uh, and do you see tackles? I got anymore, really? Cause no, they took, it's just zero gone. The Euro-tolerance yeah. policy—it's gone. Um, they started doing it with a high tackle. Uh, sorry, with the you know with the, the head collisions and stuff, making headway now that appeasing the um, you know the the dinosaurs in the game. Um, but my point is that that um, that's an example of what they needed to do. You know, we don't see those tackles anymore because they did the right thing and took a, a proper harsh, you know, ruthless either tolerance policy, but they've uh, they messed this one up here, haven't they? They, uh, yeah. they need to, you know, and hand out bans. No, no, don't cut bans. Give, give them an automatic six-week ban. Nobody will do it then. The onus is on the player, yeah. right? Somebody tweeted me yesterday. It was an idiot... I don't I don't care what I've said. It was an idiotic um, thing to say uh, about... Um, or the onus is on, was on you know, the player to go lower. Is it, is it hell? Is it, you know, the onus is on the tackler. He's the one making the collision. He's the one making the hit. It's different if the ball is leading mm. forward with the, with the forearm or the shoulder. It's different. But in that, the Josh Lewis thing, and that, Jonathan Davis is not a dirty player, I swear. No, um, not at all. The responsibility is on him to ensure that that's a safe tackle and that he doesn't go high. Um it, it that was a nonsense statement. The own name who said it. It was just nonsensical. So um yeah, I, I, I think, you know, the onus is on the players. Um and the officials have to be um really um really spot on about it. And you know, a lot of the officiating and URC, you know, we go on about it, but there was a game um last year or maybe the year before. Scarlett played out in Ulster, Keelan Treadwell decided to um elbow James Sebastian in the head. Ref mm. is going to Andrea Piard. He was going to give a red card, and Brian McNeese, who I, I, I personally think uh, you know needs to do a better job. I'm not apologising for saying that. Talked it into a yellow. It was basically assault. Um, and, and then you know the Scarl sells to game again this year. Sickening it's the Tom hit. Rogers one. Thickening yeah. hit on on Rogers. Absolutely sickening. Not giving us a red card. That's a disgrace. And I don't like. Um, I also don't like the, you know, I, I think we should respect the referee. Players on the field should respect the referee. And what Razi Rasmus did, for example, was over the top and, mm-hmm. uh, and out of order. But I don't agree with this this policy they brought in where you cannot criticise a referee. So it's OK to criticise a player for for knocking a ball on or missing a tackle. You can't uh, criticise a referee for bringing the game with a district out by missing uh, an act of thuggery on the field. And it was an act of thuggery. Um, you know referees got a lot of answer for as well. You know, they've got a referee the game by the letter of the law and you know they, they've got a they've got to take a zero tolerance poli- policy on this as well. And unfortunately a lot of them are aren't doing it. Um I, I don't particularly care who, who gets offended by that. Um I just care about the the safety of the players, their health and well being and, and the health and well-being of the game. And um, these people fail to understand that. Um they are these people think the game have gone soft they're damaging the game it's the people who want a zero tolerance policy on this who are protecting not just the players but the game and uh, I think we've uh, I think rugby union's got to uh, go look in the mirror to be honest because it's uh, it's not heading in the right direction in this regard
1: absolutely agree and that seems like a perfect point Uh, if us to not take a look in the mirror to have a a quick uh, a quick breather and we'll be back with some more questions after this very quick break real fast-paced first half there Steph really enjoyed getting your thoughts on um, on a number of those issues and we're going to head on there to a uh, to a couple more things. I wanted before we get onto kind of some of the uh, some of the governance things and also the um the Wales tour to, to South Africa which we we're, we're going to touch upon um, at the end of the show. Uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, the the Cardiff Saracens game um myself and Murph are very critical of, of Cardiff uh, on last week's show and we chatted about um about it a few weeks back as well. Um, much improved performance, and uh, I don't know. They're, they're a very, very hard side to read because they've had some good performances in Europe this year. Ultimately, not getting the right results. But where do you kind of assess where where Dai Young is is heading with um, with this team?
0: Personally, I I um, I like Dai. um mm. is have done, but I think I think perhaps. Even he didn't realise um, the state of professional rugby in Wales, and how he hasn't just got two hands tied in his back. You know, he's he's got his legs tied as well. It, it's it's really like it's a really tough job, um, almost an impossible job for a for a coach of a Welsh region. I think I covered uh, both um, Scarless games, um, and Scarless is another team, you know the you're Thinking they turn the corner and they mm. lose the Dragons, but you know, after the defeat in Clinetti, um, and Scarlett's played well, so let's give them credit. But they Cardiff were really poor, they capitulated on two occasions. And after the first game, Dye said to the press, You know, he said, Look, you know, that a lot of these players won't, you know, the, this, this performance wasn't acceptable, and um, you know, a lot of players, you know. Playing for their futures, and you know, a lot of players are somewhere out of contract, and they're gonna have to play better, you know, all that sort of rhetoric. Um, but he could only play that trick once. He had a reaction in the first 20 minutes against Carlos, and again, totally, you know, disintegrated, really, didn't he? And he just couldn't play that again. And you get the sense that he's a very frustrated man. Um, he's clearly, I mean, I can't talk for him, but I, I you know, it sounds like he's not. He's not happy with the strength of his squad, and he does need strengthening. That's the same in rugby. It's obviously not like soccer where you've got mm. an active transfer window and you can change things very quickly. You know, you got players in contract; can't afford to pay players off, and you know deals were made over the pay cuts or players of extra, you know, all that sort of thing. So it's not something he can fix overnight. Um, you know, and there's naturally going to be players. He's inherited to the squad. Players he doesn't rate, for example, that's just that's the way it is no no great revelation there so I think they're they're in a tough place um they need serious recruitment front five's been a problem for a long time hooker you know they always sign backs when they need forwards so they I think they uh, just to answer your question I just don't think the squad is is strong enough really it was a good reaction you know they they play some really good rugby um Navidi made a big difference as, as you'd expect um but i I just think they're it's just in a really tough place and just to answer your question i just don't think he's got the squad to play the game he wants to play and you know when they got everyone on the field you know they're okay you know there's been some games they've, they've been really beaten Leinster, they've been glasgow but you know you get a couple of injuries and the depth isn't there and um, i'm not 100% sure that the signings of farrell and Liam williams are going to solve that much mm. both world class players but how often will they play for example I mean is Falter coming back to Wales to play well he is coming back to play for Cardiff but is his priority to win silver with Cardiff or you know to make sure he's looked after to make the World Cup but I'm not having a go at Falter for that but you know I think you know what they need is good non-Welsh qualified players as well Uh, like they had with Tito Blair Rush Laulala Molatika. you know obviously back then they had Peter Thomas bankrolling them but you know easier said than done but I don't think the strength is there and I think it's going to take... I'd stick with Dyer I think it's going to take a few years to get anywhere and even then, you know, they're sort of beholden to the goodwill of the WIU and, you know, everything that's happening in Welsh rugby because at the moment being successful with the Welsh region is uh, close to impossible to be honest.
1: Yeah, that's uh, sadly the uh, the kind of depressing state that, that we're at at the moment. I did have this question in. simply... Uh simply from someone called Giving Up the Gun uh on Twitter. But just to build on that, what do we think of the uh Shane Lewis Hughes, Jim Botham and Josh Navidi back row? Um they were excellent at the weekend. Could this be the starting back row for Wales during the summer? Um firstly on the how they how they performed. You mentioned Navidi there. Um and then secondly on whether you think they've got a chance of uh of starting in the in the back row against South Africa.
0: I like all three players, I thought you know, as I said, you know, Navidi made a big difference against um <clears throat> excuse me, against Salesens. Um Shane Lewis has been unlucky with injuries. I personally think he's gonna find opportunities at international level limited now. I d I, I don't really get the impression that he's high up on Pivak sort of in, in in his pecking order. If I was picking a squad I probably would have him in there but I just think people will probably raise players higher than him. Um, Naveed is obviously a nailed on player for me. One of mm-hmm. the first names on the team sheet. Um, James Botham's a player I definitely 100% would take to South Africa. He's hard. He's just got a huge engine on him. He's really good at the contact area. You know, it, people like Botham and Naveed help help um, ensure you get quick rack speed in attack and slowing it down in defence because Wales are going to get this face. They're going to get overpowered in the front five. So, Maybe the way to to get over that is to pick abrasive back rowers who so are breakdown specialists um so I think those two will be on the tour but i'd be shocked if Shane Lewis houses. is and um, personally, my started back row um against the box would you know i i i would have navidia six fouls as goal play let's let's face it if he's fit and uh probably I would pick uh Jack Morgan at seven. um so, to answer his question, I think that Botham and Navidi will will go. Um, Navidi will start, but no place for Shane Lewis Hughes again.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, the. Uh, what will this be? The, the Autumn Series 2020, it looked as though Shane Lewis Hughes was kind of. Um, kind of seemed to be part of Pivac's plans. And, like you say, a couple of unfortunate injuries. and But hasn't had a hasn't had a, a sniff since then and um and doesn't look like he's he's likely to either which is interesting because certainly in the wider squad because um we've said before there's you know there's there is kind of a lack of a lack of bulk in in the back row and hence looking at seth davis at six and and things like this so um yeah i i find it a little bit um a little bit surprising i agree with you he'd be in my my squad probably not in the starting lineup but i think um He's the kind of player that that I'd probably want out in South Africa because it's it's going to be a hard a hard tough physical uh, place to go and tour, you know, more so than probably any other country right now. But yeah, I'd probably agree with you on the on the fact that he's he's not likely to um, to make the cut. Um, let's move on to uh, to a couple of other things now as well. Actually, I wanted to get your thoughts. We mentioned this before we before we came on air, but is there anyone you think? Um, is kind of a perhaps a bit of a wild card or a or a bolter for the for the tour. Someone you think would be a um, a good kind of left field pick?
0: I think um, Pembroke's in a difficult place because um, you know he's lost to Italy, you know, hmm. which is a offence in many people's eyes. Um, he's also um, you know he, then his three tests in South Africa, which he's probably not going to win. Then he's playing the All Blacks, uh, but what he's got to do. Obviously, there's no expectation on Wales, so that's something in his favour. But what he doesn't want. Is a repeat of Loftus Firstfeld in mm. 98, which is a record defeat. That was in 96, 96, 13, 13 yeah. 98,
1: yeah. 13, something like that. Go on, yeah. that do it. Um,
0: so, um, yeah, uh, you know, he, I remember four years ago, 2018, Wales went, uh, they played South Africa and Washington, terrible yeah. game they won, and beat Argentina 2 0. I remember Gatlin saying to the press, This is the most satisfying tour I've had as Wales coach, because he rested so many first team players. Picked a lot of fringe players that there was a lot of public clamour to select. Like James Davis, for mm-hmm. example, had a great tour. And then a lot of younger players came through as well. But Pivak hasn't got the luxury to be able to try that. Because if he did, we're talking Loftus first for 98. Level to me. So um that's the problem. But to answer your question, I this goes under the radar. But I really would like to see Rodri Williams, dragon Dragons from I don't, I'm not for one minute saying that he's going to make a huge difference to, difference to Wales or anything. I, I think Thomas Williams is, um, and this is a question as well, his head and shoulders above any of the scrum he starts, end of, probably would have Gareth Davis for experience, just backing him up. I don't think Keegan Hardy's playing that well. I think Rodri's been excellent for the Dragons behind, the, uh, you know, I know we said, we praise their pack, but they don't have that pack out every week, do they? Yeah. week. Um, and and, you know he's consistently good got a good good battle with Gonzalo Betrano now who's an international I think has helped him Um, good competition for places there and you know he was called in as a reserve wasn't he for the um, for the Italy game Uh, yeah I'd like to see him go on the tour Um, one guy who should be going is Tommy Raffel Um, Mm -hmm. how good is he Um, there's an argument he should start really so I'd like to see him go
1: um what are the what are the you know, timing, Steph, on the tour? Because obviously the the kind of excuse, if you like, in the past has been that you don't get enough access to to Tommy Riffle, um during during kind of Six Nations international windows and stuff like that. Given that Leicester, you know, likely to be uh, playing in the in the Premiership final, do we know what the the over the overlap is and whether that would impact on um, on the Wales tour or is it significantly late enough?
0: I think it. Um, I think it. It could. It, I think it'll impact on when he joins up with the squad. Yeah. So I think you're right. That's probably a, a valid point. A valid sort of excuse not to select him. I wouldn't really knock pivot for that because he has got Bashir. He has got point. Yeah. He has got Jack Morgan. Um, I don't think Chipbrick will go even if he's fit. I think it's probably yeah. wise just to give him a rest if we want to make the World Cup. Um, You know, he's got Thomas Young as well now as well. So. Yeah, I think I think I think that could go against him. But my point is he's just so good that um you know, it's, it's hard to, to sort of Yeah, you know, he's yeah, he's that good. and sooner he joins a Welsh region and mm-hmm. this is it's a controversial the sooner he joins a Welsh region, the better as far as I'm concerned. Um I think you know, I asked Rob Baxter last week about David Jenkins and he said that he has the potential to be an international. Um but, you know, he was worried about his sort of if he was up to face in spring box in terms of physicality and the risk of injury but I might take him as in the wider squad but without playing him because I think he's a huge prospect and we're weak at lock um, other than that and, and another player under the radar um, Nicky Smith should be going um, I would select him ahead of Reese Carey I mean obviously doubts over win Jones as well and now he's out for the yeah. season whether that includes Wales not quite sure yet Um but Nicky Smith is a player who's one of the best scrummagers in the URC. Good to the breakdown, which suits Pivak. He should be there. Um, I think he should be going. Um, and apart from that, I'm looking across the place. One guy I would take. There's a lot big clamour for Johan Lloyd, and I like him. But let's mm. face it, Wales' pack's going to be in the back foot. If Pollard sees Lloyd at full back, He's going to identify him with big up and unders, and now has a bad day at the office. I actually think a better, I, I think Liam Williams' long term successor is Tom Rogers, the Scarlett's full uh, At 15. He reminds me of Liam Williams as a kid. Mm. Uh, well, not as a kid, isn't, You know, as, as a youngster coming through. Um, I don't see him as a wing, I see him as a fullback. He's a really good, deadly broken field runner. He just got that, that edge about him, does something out of nothing. You know, he's really hard as well. He he's a really tough bloke, good in the high ball. Um, yeah, I, I, I would take him uh, personally. You know, maybe you take Lloyd and Utility back, but I wouldn't pick him against the box. Um, I have a hunch that Rodgers would go well, but um, so I would definitely take him. Um, and the other one is, it's interesting because if you look at outside half, right, Gareth Anscombe, understandably, it's a phenomenal achievement to play again. He, he's not what he was, if we're being honest. Is he going to get there again? You could take Priestland, but, you know, is he going to make the World Cup? Not sure. Do you take Law as a third choice, or is it too early? Um, might be too early, but that's something worth considering. But the the main guys I'd like to see, I'd like to see Rodgers there. I'd like to see Roger Williams there. Um, I'd like to see Raffle there, availability permitting. I'd like to see Nicky Smith. But on the whole, I mean, it's not enough to to change the inevitable result and mm. unfortunately I feel it's damage limitation time
1: Yeah I'd agree with you on all those things but yeah with um, with player development you know uh, the, the scrum half thing I, uh, sorry the outside half thing i found bizarre this you know, this whole time that Pivak's been selecting outside halves none more so than during the six nations where he picked four outside halves when one of whom is your captain so he's going to play regardless and um, and the other one, who is a 34, 35 year thirty-five-year-old Rhys Priestland, who, you know, like you know, like I said, fine, brilliant player that he is, is unlikely to to feature during the World Cup. You know what you're taking him there as as fourth choice fly half for is is very, very strange. So, yeah, I would I'd would be much more interested in um, in even if it's just for the for the touring experience um, to take someone like. Sam Costello and seeing, um, you know, and getting that that good look of him and getting him in and amongst the training, amongst um, uh, those kind of more established players. So, yeah, that one, that one, uh, I'd certainly be with you with you on as well. Um, and yeah, just a, a, you, you did answer that question uh, that was in from uh, from Leon Reese as well. So uh, thanks for uh, uh, thanks for that one. Just thought I'd give him the uh, the quick uh, the quick shout out. We're uh, quickly running out of time. Man. Uh, Steph so I'm just going to pick a couple more uh, to get through uh, this one was from uh, was from Jamie Phillips um, the WOU have recently denied that a rot has set into Welsh rugby are they right or are they simply burying their head in the sand there's a nice easy one for you to, uh, for you to uh, get your, your teeth stuck into
0: well he's asking the right person
1: because I'm the one that, that
0: suggested that to Nigel Walker in um in the recent press conference, um, he denied that was the case. I, I disagree with him. Um, you know, I, I think that the writing has been on the wall for a very long time. Um, you know, I've said in this podcast uh, and num- on a number of occasions, on a, you know, for a number of years. You know, I remember being on this podcast. We won the Grand Slam, and I was still saying, <laughs> "Yeah, but you know, we, we are sleepwalking towards oblivion because ultimately, it's like it's like you know." We're, and somebody gets like uh, somebody gets gangrene, you know, in in their fingers. You cut off a finger to stop it going into hand and into the arm, but they've just allowed it to spread all the way up the limb, you know. And they 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 need they need to take it away and remove it and put something else in there because at the mo at this moment in time, you know, we we saw it. to started with Roger Lewis. Everything was top heavy. We neglected the the professional game, the regional game. You know, stripped it. You know, they, they would strip them of their players. They they spent too much much time in the Welsh camp, Um, not enough money to the regions and compensation. You know, grassroots game is just suffering. You know, where where I come from, you know, I I come from uh, West Wales, the Arman Valley and the valley up, you know, the Gwendoeth Valley. You know, people are telling me, like a friend of mine from Tumble, it's Rugby Heartland, you know, Dwayne Peel played for many other great players who played for Wales, you know, started there. And, and and you know there's sometimes they can't put a team together, and other Gwendrae Farley teams are merging, and there's less youth teams, and this is you know the the valley of Carwin James, you know of Barry John. Um, I, I, what the double are you doing about that? You know they say there's more more particip- higher participation numbers, but you know I know people who are registered as rugby players haven't played a game in ten years. You know it's not as straightforward as that, and I I just think you know I. I I I I stick by what I said in that you know in in our meeting that there is a rot in Welsh rugby and it's spreading and it it's already spread to the national side and um this this just needs to um needs to be dealt with you know we need, we need to start again we need to um you know separate the professional from the amateur game that's the first thing we have to do and um, there's too much self-interest in 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 rugby in Wales allow the professionals to run the professional game and uh, the committee mentor run the grassroots game, and you know if they get the professional game right, and I'm going to swear, sorry, it'll shit cash back down on the onto the onto the grassroots game, but they they don't understand that. Um, so um, you know that's the first thing we need to do, and um, you know they, they need to look at the development pathways. Um, there, there's a lot that there's, there's a lot that needs to be that needs to be dealt with. So um, my my yeah, to, to answer this question, this, there is a rot in Welsh rugby, but. You know, nobody seems prepared to um, to cut it out, really, and that's it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse unfortunately
1: Fosse. Certainly feels that way. Let's finish on um, on this one. Uh, Question in from Rhys Thomas. Uh, predictions for the uh, for the next two weeks of, of Welsh derbies. Like you were saying earlier on, it' it's hard to know which um, which sides are, are going to turn up. You know, we've seen mixed fortunes for for Cardiff and, and Scarlets uh, in, in recent weeks as well. What are your thoughts on um, on the on the next couple of weeks?
0: Um, it, it's really interesting because, um, uh, and it's nice to, to be able to say, you know, it's interesting. You know, when, when you're talking about the the Welsh um, Welsh regions, I, I just think um, you know Scarlets were outstanding against Cardiff. Oh Cardiff didn't play well but credit to the Scarless and you're thinking, Oh, you know, they turned the corner and then they go and lose the dragons and then they've blown the whole Welsh shield open. Um and the Ospreys have an opportunity now as well. So um it's a difficult and I think the Scarless are struggling because they've got so many injuries. I think I think if every Welsh region has their best team out, I think a Scarless probably edge it, I would say. It's tight maybe, but maybe they've got a bit more X factor players like the, that Sam Lowsey for example. Mm. Um but they've you know they they got a lot of injuries and I think the Dragons have got a great chance this weekend to beat them confident Rodney Parade. Um yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Scarless won, but I think the Dragons have got a good chance. Um Ospreys Cardiff is a, an interesting one, but I I you know the thing was with the Ospreys. I think Toby Bull said in his question and answer they got a pack with the fans, they got a pack to take on anyone. But they they haven't got they got the, the cutting edge, behind the scrum, but I do think they might have enough to beat Cardiff, and the the Osprey Scarless game is an interesting one for me. I'm uh, quite looking forward to that one. Um, that'll be a hard one to call. Um, that could go either way. Um, depends on Scarlets injuries. If they have their injured players back, then maybe they'll uh, they'll come out on top. But um, yeah, um, it's it's going to be interesting. Very hard to predict. I think.
1: It is. I'm sticking with my prediction of uh, Dragons win every game, including those that they're not involved with. You uh, know, this is didn't, it, Steph. You got, um, you got to, you got to let me have. You got to let me have this for yeah, the uh, for, yeah. for the rarity that it did is. Didn't
0: didn't um, Mr. Kai Griffiths have a question as well? Yeah, guess like, um, ju- Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, I'll have a goose if
0: I don't answer. Uh, no, no, no,
1: absolutely fine. Yeah. So the one from Kai simply said, um, "Is Wayne Pivac fit for purpose?
0: Well." Um, if if Wayne was answering this question, I suppose he'd say judge me in the World Cup and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with that one. But um no, I, I, I think um look there's no hiding away from the fact that losing the home to Italy for the first first time ever is um is tackable, let's face it. Um I've always said like in rugby that there's too much emphasis on the World Cups. Or mm. you know, coaches almost hide behind that. They, they hide behind oh you know we've lost this game but the bigger picture is the World Cup and of course you've got a plan to sort of do well in the World Cup but you know I, I just think you know it, it's a bit of lack of respect people are buying tickets and want to see you win here and there um, you know Pivot did a good job at Scarlets you could argue that he justified his, his appointment to an extent but you know we we have regressed it's not all his fault he hasn't got the players that Warren Gatland had the, the issues that I mentioned earlier I mentioned in previous pods with the regions being neglected the standard players not being as high because of that he's dealing with that now I don't think Gatland had to deal with it because those players had been produced when the regions were strong in the main so it's not all his fault if you sack Pivak and bring in another coach it papers over cracks um, however um, I'm not 100% convinced. Um, you know, as I said, you know we've, we've lost at home to Italy, um, and I just think, you know, you know South Africa three tests next, and the All Blacks going to lose all of them, um, and I, I just think we're sleepwalking towards a pool stage exit at the World Cup. Um, interestingly, in the press conference this week, um, you know, the the were asked about, or um, well, last week rather, asked about back fi obviously they, you know understandably they don't want to be drawn on um somebody speculation somebody the same contract uh, but he was asked you know will Wayne Pivak um coach Wales to the world Cup come what may and you know I thought the answer was um you know I, I I left that that press conference and I was far from convinced that he'd take Wales to the world Cup so I don't think he's he's a hundred percent safe and if you look at like um, you look you see it often in soccer right? Um the, the in rugby there's there's a school of thought that, you know, if you sack somebody so close to the World Cup
1: hmm. that
0: it damages your chances. South Africa just that, although they've they obviously got great players. You see it in soccer you know, teams in relegation trouble, they sack a the manager and then new Manager comes in, honeymoon period, and that's enough to keep you up. Um but the problem is who who would replace Pivac? So um you know, I, I think to answer his question. You know, I just think he's—he uh, still got a got a lot to prove at this level. Because uh, even though um, there are excuses in terms of, and there are reasons with the, with the player's age and squad and stuff, the squad he's got should be more than good enough to be beating Italy at home. Um, you know, they should—they should be more than good enough to be doing better than what they are. So, I'm—I'm um, um, I'm unconvinced. Is—is uh, is the answer to that?
1: Good man, Steph. Well, Yeah, good to uh, good to, to get your thoughts on that and and to finish on uh, on that point. Um, massive thanks to you for for joining us this evening. Uh, a quick um, a quick shout out for one of our listeners who sent in a review. If you've enjoyed this show, please do the same, and we'll we'll make sure we give you a shout out. But this one is from. Uh, Shandy 1963, uh, for all Welsh rugby fans, a real deep dive uh, into all aspects of the domestic and international game, good presentation and input, input from contributors. Uh, look forward to it dropping every week. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, a big thanks to uh, to this week's contributor. Thank you very much, Steph. It's always great to uh, to get your thoughts on the big issues. Um, and a uh, thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some good quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, thanks for listening. We'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.